What's up, man? It is all the way home. It is. <laughs> it is February. Um. Yes. So. Yeah, we're all we 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 all the way home in February. February. Yes. We're trying to make February. that. February. We're trying to make this word association stick. <laughs> sure. Why not? We're gonna rename this the Rorschach Hooper Cast, and it's just gonna be what is this. <laughs> gibberish make you think of it is whatever you want it to be yeah yep i love the there's a one of my favorite i never say i don't say this very often but i do say it more more recently one of my favorite memes is the someone there's a picture of a rorschach test and it's like i don't know who keeps sharing this but why does it look look like my parents fighting (laughs) (laughs) yes uh anyway all right well um hey speaking of parents fighting Mm mm-hmm Eh, no. All right, fuck it. All right, let's talk about Oppenheimer. We're in a race against the Nazis. And I know what it means if the Nazis have a bomb. We have a 12-month head start. 18. How could you possibly know that? We've got one hope. All America's industrial might and scientific innovation connected here. Secret laboratory. Keep everyone there until it's done. Let's go recruit some scientists. Build a town, build it fast. We don't let scientists bring their families, we'll never get the best. Why would we go to the middle of nowhere for who knows how long? Why? Why? How about because this is the most important thing to ever happen in the history of the world? You're the great improviser, but this... you can't do in your head. Are we saying there's a chance that when we push that button, we destroy the world? Chances are near zero. Near zero. What do you want from theory alone? Zero would be nice. This is a matter of life and death. But I can perform this miracle. World War II would be over. Our boys would come home. That's happening, isn't it? The world will remember this day. Our work here will ensure a peace mankind has never seen. Until somebody builds a bigger one. You are the man who gave them the power to destroy themselves. And the world is not prepared. strange twist of fate you have not seen this yet um i have not and i have because i utilized a library and that's how i there you go found this film um sure so this is uh this is the oppenheimer the the what golden globe winning um film mm-hmm. the oscars mm-hmm. happen mm-hmm. by the time this comes out who knows this film was this film was award worthy uh, some people thought so. So Oppenheimer was written and directed by Christopher Nolan and uh, based on the book American Prometheus by Kai Bird and Martin Sherwin. Um, hmm. And it's got a pretty great cast. We've got Killian Murphy, Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, Robert Downey Jr., Florence Pugh, Josh Hartnett, Casey Affleck, hmm. Rami Malek, Kenneth Branagh. Um, so, uh, yeah, Um so let's see, what was the last Nolan film I saw new? I have not seen Dunkirk. I have not seen Tenet. Okay. Uh, what would have been before that? Jeez. Before Dunkirk? Yeah. Uh, Shoot. Was it just Interstellar? Am I missing I'm one? I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> Hold on. There's got to be Let one in see. between Interstellar and Dunkirk, right? Let me look here real quick. We've got... 
No, there's not. Wow. So, okay. So the last one I would have seen in theaters would have been the Dark Knight Rises. Really? Wow. Okay. Yeah. And so I didn't see Interstellar in theaters. I saw it later. Uh, and I like Interstellar okay. a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I never saw Dunkirk. Um, I f- remember people generally saying Dunkirk was good, but it was just different. It was like now we're we're going into like a weird, like a like a I can't remember that film. Correct me if I'm wrong. That film was experimental somehow. It wasn't like narratively experimental, wasn't it? Like, it didn't really have it, so a central I, character. So I only saw it the once. It's it. it if I remember right, it's fairly dialogue free. Like it's, it's pretty just like pretty much just action. But the thing that I remember most about it is, and I think it's supposed to be this way. Like, I think it's by design, but the main, like your, your protagonist and, uh, central characters, you kind of don't get to know them. And I think that's by design because it's sort of the idea of like, you, you run up on an, an ally in the war and you're not going to stop and take time to get to know them. Right. You just go in into battle. And like, so I've, I've heard that. I don't know if that's true, if that's the way that it was. But for me, I felt like character wise, it was really weak. Yeah, I remember because because Interstellar had everything. It had character. It had drama. It had effects. Yeah. It had theme. It had all that stuff. And so then Dunkirk came along and was like, well, this looks pretty. Um and it, the production design's great, um, but yeah. but what's with this story? And mm-hmm. so for that reason, I never saw it because I was like, oh, okay, well, I really need that in a movie, and and I just wasn't in a position or a rush to see Dunkirk. And then when Tenet came out, yeah. uh, I didn't hear one person say they liked it. Um, yeah. Most people said they were either meh on it or did not like it, and one reason being the sound mix, and mm. which we talked about when we when you reviewed it, and I've said before, like, that's not I don't agree with the creative choice of muddying dialogue just because it's sure. because that's more lifelike. Like that's a it's sure. a, this is a film. Please mix yep. your sound evenly with your with everything else so we can hear what people are saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so Oppenheimer does do that. I don't know what mm-hmm. to the degree to what which tenant does it, but I did know that about Oppenheimer going in. I also knew I'd be watching it with subtitles. Um, I don't feel it's weird. Simultaneously, we're like, Americans don't want don't want to read subtitles. And then we're like, hey, let's all read subtitles though, so that audio doesn't matter as much. Um Right, right. So yep. uh, but I I I shouldn't have to listen to subtitles. <laughs> Shouldn't have to read subtitles. You're supposed to listen to them, right? That's, uh-huh. Is that why? Maybe that's my issue. I'm trying to listen to them. Yeah, it's not working. Yeah. I close yep. my eyes and I can't hear the subtitles. <laughs> These subtitles don't make any noise. <laughs> I, I, I don't mind subtitles in a film, but I really like to look at the frame and look at performances and look at other stuff, not yep. read to make yep. sure I'm following the story. Yep. So that's annoying. Yep. Um, whatever. That being said, um, I really liked Oppenheimer. Um, cool. it's long and, um, yeah. I, I definitely started nodding off during the third act, uh, or sure. the third hour, whatever you want to call it. Um, yep. it's a long movie and I, I was tired and, uh, so whatever, but then I ended up waking up really early the next morning for some reason. I think when my kids woke me up and it was too late to go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, Oh, I got time. And so like, I put it back in and ran it back watch the ending again mm. um yep yep sorry this is all a way of saying oppenheimer uh so this is about j robert oppenheimer who I, I guarantee you most people have now heard of just by this film existing um the the father of the atomic bomb the the theoretical physicist who he he's the reason that we have the atomic bomb he's not the only reason he was the director of the institute for advanced study at princeton and uh and then was the chair of the general advisory committee for the U S atomic energy commission. And, um, era, all those tests that they did out in uh, New Mexico and Los Alamos, that was all under his, um, direction. And famously, uh, I don't want to say regretted, um, having a hand in that, but certainly was horrified, um, at what the bomb became and how it was used and whatnot. Um, so it is ripe subject matter for just discussion, but also for a film, uh, to have a character 
who's brilliant, um, moral, um, to an extent, like, like, uh, I mean, he cheats on his wife, <laughs> um, but it's like, uh, who, well, there's that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, if you take away the terrible things, he's pretty cool. <laughs> he's moral minus the immoral things. Yes. But well, he's he's one of he's like the quintessential scientist, which is like we want to learn things, but it matters how we use these things. Mm-hmm. Um, he 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 did have a conscience, and you know, to be fair to him, and he even makes this argument in the movie, like it's not like without J. Robert Oppenheimer, we wouldn't have dropped a bomb in on two bombs on Japan. The Nazis were developing bombs, Soviets, like everyone was developing nuclear technology. It's not like we had the only scientists, like everyone has scientists and they're all generally in the same after the 1900s, after the Spanish flu, when science got good, uh, there was no more like bullshit science. And well, there is, but in in developed countries, (laughs) superpowers we're we're all it's not like we're going like, hey, let's just not make the bomb and then there won't be a nuclear war. We have to make a bomb because everyone else is going to make a bomb. People are going to figure this out. Mm-hmm. So I feel for the guy because in one way it's like, yeah, I mean, without you, it wouldn't have happened. But without you, it would have happened. And maybe it wouldn't have happened first. And maybe we would have gotten bombed instead. So it's it's one sure. of those like one of his colleagues says like, no, like it's you know, here's all the information, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, OK, cool. So you're, when do you want to start? And he's like, oh, I'm not going to be a part of this. I don't want to see. Uh, 300 years of of scientific progress uh, be used to make a weapon and sure and that's like that guy's right but it's too late man it is being made into a weapon so yeah i'm sorry but we're here yeah that's over we can't change that what do we want to do now so anyway that's that's the interesting i've always enjoyed that interesting kind of moral uh conundrum with with the bomb um so I recommend people see this uh, now that it's available for, you know, purchase or rent. I got this at the library. Like I said, I don't think it's on streaming anywhere and won't be anytime soon. Oh, man. What did I like most about this? So I think the cast is so good. Um, Killian Murphy is great. Robert Downey Jr. is great. Emily Blunt is great. Uh, Florence Pugh is great. Everyone is great. Rami Malek is great. Um, Kenneth Branagh's in like two scenes and it's like, that's great. You know, he's, yeah. he's great. Everyone's just really, really good. And I watched the the special features, uh, cause I had the Blu-ray and I had time and all of these actors are just like, it's just really nice. Like all these actors are clamoring to work with Nolan and will take whatever part he wants to cast them in. Um, and someone said like, um, it's really humbling to like be f- like seventh on the call sheet, you know? Um, yeah. when you've, when you've led a film before, when you've been the lead, um, there's almost a pressure it takes off you, but then there's a pressure it puts on you because you want to make your small role matter, you know? And it's yeah. like that, yeah. that's the kind of stuff that's, you know, that really elevates a film is just, you know, especially with this many faces and we're going black and white and it's like, oh, there's Matt Damon. He's the general guy. So it does mm. kind of matter to kick, to cast stars in a way. Plus it's an R rated sure. film about the atomic bomb. If you cast a bunch of theater actors, we may not care. The general audience sure. may not come see it. Um, yeah. Tilly Murphy is amazing. I hope he wins every award he's uh, up for. Um, he, I mean, he's always been good, but uh, yeah, I was gonna say it's about time that people realize how good he but is. This was this is perfect. It's a perfect role yeah. for him. He's just he's ve- he's he's great. And 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 people have been saying how good Robert Downey Jr. is in this. He is terrific. He's so good. Yeah. It's subtle. Um, you know, there's a voice, there's, uh, there's just mannerisms that are, I mean, you look at an actor and you see the actor to an extent, but he's not playing himself. He's not playing Tony Stark. He's yes, it's Robert Downey Jr. And yes, that's his face, but he's putting on a voice. He's changing his posture. The way he moves is different. It's just, it's very subtle. It's really good. And sweet. And, and, and just not to knock Robert Downey Jr. Because I, I, I love the guy and I, I, I enjoy everything he does, but if a fair criticism of Robert Downey Jr. in the last 10 years would have been um, that he's sort of uh, coasting a little bit, um, famously uses used an earpiece for some of the uh, some of the latter Marvel films instead of like learning mm-hmm. lines and stuff. And so I remember th- particularly thinking like, man, this is a guy who used to like memorize his lines but like via acronym and he had all this like crazy methods to 
to, to memorize yeah. a script, especially for like Zodiac, a script like you're working with Fincher. And mm. so it was nice as a Robert Downey Jr. fan to see him in this role and sort of be like, see him in a, in a role that seems to have taken him some effort. Yeah. Which sure. is really good. And I think he probably feel, he may feel that way as well. You know, it's yeah, nice to right. try again. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and uh, I mean, this, this movie, this movie is important. Um, it's, uh, I always like when auteur directors like Chris Nolan, who people who only, who've only made a dozen or less films, it's important to me as someone who generally likes them for their films to not get worse as the years go on. And so for a couple of years, yeah. it's been like, oh man, are Nolan's good films like are the ones that are broadly appealing and or, or appealing to me are those have those gone. Um, sure. And it's really cool that his latest one is like a really good one. Um, you know, like I yeah, said, he needed a win. He did. And and it is long. It, it's It's long. It's, it might be too long, but then again, it's not slow. Um, yeah, it's not slow. Uh, so maybe it's fine. That's long, you know? Sure. Um, well, there's nothing wrong with length as long as the, it's in, engaging throughout. And it is. Um, so, I mean, so yeah, that's good. It's one of those movies too, where like, I just, I know that it would reward a rewatch just because it's one of those movies that goes like, Hey, listen, like, like we're not going to at three hours, we have to either, we have to either move a little too fast for you or we're going to go too yeah. slow for you. and You're going to be bored. So it's yeah, probably sure. better that we lean towards fast and have you going yep. like, wait, what, you know, hold on. Who's that guy? You know, yep. uh, yep. then just going like, Jesus Christ. Like it's been oh, yeah, <laughs> only been 40 do minutes. Something. Please do something. <laughs> you're like poking the movie with a stick. Yeah. Come on. Bomb the Japanese. Be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I know that the author like consulted on the film, like was on set and they were talking to or that guy. Well, one of them, um, I think Kai Bert, I can't remember which one. Anyway, um, the the thing that the, the, my criticism of the movie, the, the thing that bothered me, um, I definitely didn't like there were some of the editing choices where like just mm. weird cuts, uh, just kind of yeah. times where I'm just like, why would you cut away from that and to this and just stuff that I would have done differently. And any jackass sure. with a microphone can say that, but I was just watching. I was like, Oh no, 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 no. It just didn't feel right. Um, mm. some dialogue scenes. Um, but I did not like the aspect ratio changing during the film. And mm. this happens a lot. There's IMAX shots. There's regular, you know, 16 by nine, whatever shots, uh, black and white color. And when we ever, and, and it's not like it wasn't all, there was black and white on IMAX. That was, that's actually really cool how they did that. They basically had to get Kodak to make black and white IMAX film because it didn't exist. Um, mm. and so, and it, they weren't sure if it was going to work and it, I mean, the film looks amazing. The, the, the yeah. picture quality is crazy. I watched this on Blu-ray too. Um, yep. it is a gorgeous film. Um, yeah. So Hoyte Van Hoytema. Yeah, baby. It that is that is some good looking cinematography. Um yep. but like I said, the problem is like there are times like sometimes when you have IMAX films in IMAX, right? Like Transformers or even, you know, The Dark Knight Rises, you know, you've got sequences that are in IMAX and sequences that are not. But what does yep. not happen during those sequences is the format changing, you know. Optimus, they're running, you know, and then like, boom, now we're in full frame. Optimus Prime is fighting someone in the forest. And then the scene goes on and then it happens and it ends. We go to the next scene and now we're back in, in letter boxes. And it's like, okay, cool. Like that. The IMAX scene is over. That is fine mm -hmm. because at least sure. every time the, the camera cuts, it's not wide, big, something you know? different. Yeah. But we're getting, yeah. we're going from IMAX and not IMAX shots back to back and then jumping between them. And it's like, okay, full, full, no, 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 no. No, yep. no, no. That's so distracting. It's annoying. Um, I can't get a sense of the scope and the frame because you keep changing it. I was not mm. a fan of that. Um, mm. So that that bothered me a lot. <laughs> I gotta say. Sure. Um, the next, if so I buy this it, film, I might like tape construction paper to my TV and just keep it in yeah. letterbox. Yep. Yeah. It's interesting because if you look it up on IMDb, the aspect ratio 
there's one, two, three, four, five, six aspect ratios listed. Um, so it, it, yeah, it's crazy that there's that many. And, and of course it depends on what version you're seeing it. Like the 70 millimeters different than the, you know, the 35 millimeter. Um, but yeah, it's just crazy that it's, that there's that many different aspect ratios. Um, you know, I was thinking, so recently I, um, screened everything everywhere all at once and it does the same thing. It's aspect ratio changes. Um, and I, I'm not a fan of that. So mm. like, I, I agree. I, f- I feel like that would be, uh, distracting for me just because I feel like, um, like you should just pick the aspect ratio that's going to work best for your film. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, don't, don't be like, I want to do this scene and this and that scene and that because one, it makes it really hard for the projectionist. And two, it makes it hard, like for our televisions. Um, so like 178.1 is what most of the film is in and that's 16 by nine. But then, yeah, there are some sequences that are like that IMAX, um, aspect ratio it's 235.1 so it's a scope so it'll be letterboxed on your screen um and then there evidently are also some scenes that are like 143.1 so we're getting close down to like uh uh uh, like four by three um and i don't know man that it's just distracting to me so i i would agree it it is distracting having not seen the film and i get it like we're gonna we're gonna we're going to make some visual changes when the time period changes, but it's just like, no, just do sure. that. But you're already doing that with the color. Like, just do that with the color. Don't do that with yeah. the frame. You know, if right. you want to shoot the here, you know, if you want to shoot the everything with Robert Downey Jr.'s character in black and white yeah. and whatever, it's like, that's, right. that's all fine. But I'm, ugh, please just, just keep the aspect ratio consistent or at least don't change it within the scene. You know, sure. I don't know. I, so I, I feel like I feel like now is a good time to talk about. Um, I don't have a lot to say, but like um, Christopher Nolan as an auteur, um, having as much control as he does, and and seemingly nobody to rein him in. Um, how much of this is a good thing, and how much of this is excessive, um, or it's just like I can, like I will because I can. Um, and and I think that that's what some of his films started to suffer from around the time of The Dark Knight Rises, where it's like, look, I, I have all this clout. I can do anything I want. And and there started to be this shift with him. And it's one of the reasons why, like, The Dark Knight Rises didn't connect as as heavily, I think, with most people, certainly with me. Um, and then the Interstellar, like, Interstellar was fine, but for me... I I just didn't connect with it as much. And I think it's because of that same mentality of like, I can do anything. So I'm just going to do anything that I want. And, uh, and so do you feel like Oppenheimer is a more reined in version of a Nolan thing, or do you think it's still experimental? It's still him flexing his, you know, because I can status. I think it's more reined in. I mean, granted, I didn't see Dunkirk or Tenet. Um, but I feel like every, like I said, like a couple of, like there were some technical choices in Oppenheimer that I'm like not on board with, but I felt sure. like every creative choice, uh, every narrative choice, you know, we jump around in time, but that, that works to the advantage because, you know, a lot of, a lot of the beats of the story are being framed by this confirmation hearing for Robert Downey Jr.'s character. So people will say things like, and was it then that you knew that you were going to do this or whatever? And, and then we jump to where, what that is. And so it's, yeah. it's actually pretty narratively, you know, good. Um, sure. So I feel like that helps and I don't feel like there's, you know, the, the explosion at the, 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 the Trinity test is really cool. Um, they do some really cool things with, they do, I, I, I've read both that there's minimal CGI and then I've read that there's no CGI in this film. Um, mm. but I don't think there's any. Um, because, and there's some cool looking stuff that they did with like micro photography that you would think was CG. There's some stuff Mm -hmm. in camera that you're like, Oh, that's that. That's gotta be a composite shot. It's not. Um, there's some fun stuff they do with like the background shaking when Oppenheimer's like, you know, giving this speech after they bombed Japan and he's like Mm. trying to pretend like he was like, he's rallying the crowd, but he's like cracking inside and they 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 sure. took a photo of the wall behind him projected it behind him and then wiggled like the projector so that the wall would like 
would like um mm. kind of shake and Bounce, try to yeah. try to stabilize itself behind him and it, i saw mm. i saw like a behind the scenes like video of it and i was like shit i thought that was some no uh so hmm. in a in a really gratifying way like a lot of uh like a lot of Nolan's films um not all of them obviously but um this is one of those films that that movie lovers I think really can sink their teeth into because because not just of what it is as a finished product but how it was made um hmm. you know from him jumping to another studio uh to to even to make it and hmm just the spirit in which it was made. Like, yeah, I don't like the changing aspect ratio or the sound was mixed a little bit better. Some of the editing was weird, but like, but for the most part, I'm like, no, this is a pretty successful, uh, film all around for me, at least. Um, it's not perfect, but you know, for Mm. music and performances and cinematography, um, and and narrative, um, I I I was pretty happy with it. Um, Ludwig Gordonson does the score; it's really good. I think someone said he doesn't use a single; he doesn't use drums at all. Which okay, but it's just like oh, it's oh, probably wow. harder than it sounds. Sure. Yeah, but the score is really good. Um, sure, yeah. Like I I'll probably end Sweet. up with this one just because I I wish that I had uh, wished I bought it. Because I wish nice. I had more time with it. Because I'd watch it again. I, I liked Oppenheimer a lot. Cool. Okay. And of course, well, it made a lot of money, which yep, is important. Sure. Almost a billion dollars, almost ten times its budget. Which which is great for Hollywood because they need the shot in the arm of like stop making garbage and stop making things that are based on things just because they're based on things. Right. Yeah. I recommend Oppenheimer. I think people should see it. It's worth it. It's worth the hype. I'll check it out. So speaking of of the atomic bomb, <laughs> it's a terrible segue, but okay, let's go. Sure, right? Is it? Is it that, there, there's no way to make this segue palatable. Well, it doesn't. Isn't okay. Is this Godzilla minus one? This is Godzilla minus one. Like I said, there's no way to make that tri- that that segue palatable. It's going to be uh, awkward, but uh, but yeah. So Godzilla minus one. So I, I I saw this a few weeks ago. Hooper, you, you have not seen this, correct? No, I wanted to, but there's no way for me to. It doesn't look like okay. So um, I, I would imagine this will pop up on streaming soonish. I mean, it's still making bukus of money, so they're they're going to hold it in theaters for as long as they can. But um, this is now the highest grossing Godzilla movie ever. Um, and yeah, man, like it, it just kind of went, it blew up. I And here's the thing. I didn't know about this movie um, when it was coming out because I, I mean, I, 
Godzilla's fine. I don't I don't follow Godzilla. Um, so I didn't know this was happening. Like I had no idea. I was just like, okay, of course there's another Godzilla movie. There's always more Godzilla movies. Yeah. Um, but they um yeah, they, they so the bottom line is they made this film for under fifteen million dollars. Um, it is a very small budgeted film. It looks fantastic for having that small of a budget. Um, and it's like I said, making a ton of money and, you know, doing what it it does best, which is just like conquering the box office. Um, so, uh, let's talk about like the plot. So the plot is actually focused on a character uh, named Koichi and Koichi is a kamikaze pilot in world war two and he gets cold feet. And so the opening scene is him returning to what is essentially like an island where they service the the jets. And he he returns saying there's something wrong with his plane, but there's not. He's just a coward and couldn't go, you know, die for the cause. So while he's on this island, um, they uh, they're starting to kind of get wind that he might have been faking this plane issue and he's trying to figure out what he's going to do when the small little island is under attack by Godzilla. And it's a young Godzilla. It's, you know, this, um, you know, I say small, but he's still a dinosaur. Like he's big, um, Godzilla. (laughs) And, um, and, and he lays waste to the island and, um, Koichi survives and makes his way back home. And when he gets home, it's right after the atomic bombs have dropped. So um, he finds that his family is dead. His parents are dead. And uh, his entire village has been wiped off the face of the planet. And so he uh, befriends uh, a young girl who is caring for um, a child that she's kind of found. Um, and so they form this weird, un you know, uh, unlikely family. And wouldn't you know it, Godzilla comes back and this time he's headed for the mainland and, uh, this, this war torn place that's in shambles is now being threatened again. And so it's, um, yeah, it, it, that, that's the story. And, and you'll notice, like, I didn't say much about Godzilla it's because Godzilla is the villain of the piece. And that's, in my opinion, when Godzilla works best. Um, And over the years, Godzilla has become like a weird anti-hero where he shows up to fight bigger, badder monsters and save the day. And while I guess that has its place, I've never, I've never loved it. You know, like for me, the original Godzilla was the best take on the character. He is, uh, I think that original was in 1954 or 57 something like that that it came out and so it was you know on the heels of world war ii and it was it was japan you know creating this fictitious monster that you know would stop at nothing and it's you know uh all about the 54 um so it's all about the the, like the post-traumatic stress of of the war and and godzilla is this uh uh living being that represents the bloodshed and the carnage that that fell on um on Japan at that time and so um so that was that was Godzilla he was always he was just a villain and then he became this weird anti-hero and this kind of returns him to his roots and i think they've done that a few times over the years but this is the most recent version um and and again i think it works the best and um and our main character Koichi so I, I I've not seen a, even really a fraction of of the Godzilla films. There's a million of them, but um, one thing you never really talk about are the characters because the human characters are superfluous and they're stupid. Um, and and if you if you look at like Hollywood, who boy do we have problems writing characters in these movies? Um, and you know if you want to talk about Roland Emmerich's Godzilla. I don't even remember who the main character is in that. I guess Matthew Broderick, but I don't remember anything about him. And it was the mayor who eats the marshmallows. (laughs) I don't even know what you're talking about, but I have seen that movie. (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
um in fact i went i saw that movie on my birthday when it came out in the theaters um um, i saw it in theaters as well the worst birthday of my life i'm just kidding um (laughs) um yeah it it was it was big at the time like i you know i we were the right age for it um and um yeah and, and so hollywood's more recent examples uh starting in 2014 um, we have like Aaron Taylor Johnson trying to lead one. Then we have one that's led by Millie Bobby Brown. We've got one, I don't know, uh, Godzilla versus Kong. I don't even remember who was in that. Like, I don't remember anything about that. Um, I guess Godzilla and Kong were in it, but I don't remember anything else. Wasn't it with the one with, uh, with, uh, Brie Larson and Sam Jackson and, uh, Adrian Brody or something? No, that was, Con- that was Kong Skull Island. Skull Island. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so so that that was the Kong movie that they crossed over with, but the the Godzilla films specifically, like they had one of them had Vera Farmiga and one had Kyle Chandler, and like they try, they try to give you good actors doing things, but I don't remember anything that they do ever uh, because they are they're they're stupid and they don't matter, and and at a certain point you just give you like your brain clicks off and you're just like uh, I just want to see monsters fight. And, and this film is the antithesis of that. It's made by a guy who very clearly wanted to buck that trend. And so the, uh, writer director, um, Takashi Yamazaki is, um, I mean, in my mind pulled off a genius move, which was, let me make you care for characters. Let me, let me write a story. That's just a story. Like you could take Godzilla out of it and replace it with, a bomb or you could replace it with, you know, uh, uh, some sort of, uh, just instrument of destruction and it would, and it would still play. Um, of course it plays better because you're watching a giant monster and that's cool, but it would still play otherwise because the movie is about Koichi and his, his, you know, would be family. And, um, and that, that's how it should be. So, um, yeah, I, I so I gave this four stars. I mean, it, it's it's a really good movie. Anybody who knows my rating system anyway knows that like four stars is a really good movie. Like I would own a four star film. Um, and so um, I, I I thought it was a really really good uh, use of my time, which is valuable. <laughs> um, and and um, and it's great, man. Like it, it's a genuinely great movie. Um, like I said, the, it, it, it's it's well made. It's, um, so it's well-performed, it's well-written, uh, it, it, like I said, the cinematography is fantastic and the visual effects for a $15 million movie, an under $15 million movie, it, they're unbelievable. He did the effects for these. Yes, correct. Um, and it was all in, it was all in house. So it was like him and some other people, uh, like <laughs> it close was, people. It I was all know. in his house. All in his house. It wouldn't surprise me at this point. Um, it's mind blowing to me because let me just do this for comparison. Um, if I pull up uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters, that was the most recent like just Godzilla movie um, that that was created by Hollywood. Um, so it cost $170 million to make. Uh, they're saying anywhere between 170 to 200 million plus 100 to 150 on marketing. So all in, you're looking at, you know, on the conservative side, $300 million for Godzilla, King of the Monsters. And this is sub 15. That's insanity. And it just goes to show the surplus that there is in Hollywood and, and, and the way that we're making movies right now is just so inefficient cost wise. Um, no wonder everything has to be a hit and they only want to make what is going to make a billion dollars because they're they're spending their money inefficiently. There's no reason that Japan can create this on a $15 million budget and we can't. So um, I, I don't understand. Like, shoot, man, like give them a $50 million budget. That's way better. Um, and uh it's crazy to me that we're, we're spending what we're spending. Uh, so I, I hope this is a wake up call to Hollywood in terms of finances. The, the IP is not ruling this story. The story is ruled by 
characters and characters doing real things. So the idea that Koichi is a deserter and is, you know, obviously looked down upon in in his culture for for that. And and he has to somehow try to find courage again um, and and redeem himself in that way is an incredibly human story. It's a guy who um, who did something he's ashamed of. And how do I come back from that? And then and then his family, he he's so ashamed he can't even muster the 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 words to tell this girl who he lives with that like over over the course of this film that i i love you it's such a hard thing for him to do because he hates himself so much and like like the idea um the ideas behind the film are very deep and they're personal and they're real and that just so happens to have a giant lizard and like that's not uh like tonally weird it's just, it's a good movie. It has shades of Jaws in it because a good portion of it, you know, takes place in the water and on this rickety old boat. And um, and Koichi makes a, a group of friends on this boat um, that, you know, are, are colorful, you know, seafaring people. And uh, like, I'm the doctor and I'm the captain and, you know, all these things. And like, it's just, it's just like classic Hollywood. It feels like Jaws. It feels like uh, it feels like you're actually watching cinema, <laughs> and that that to me is is very impressive. So um, so I give it four stars. I really enjoyed it. I think that if you have the opportunity to see this in theaters, it is worth seeing in theaters. Um, word to the wise: it is in Japanese, so you will be reading this subtitles. Um, if that bothers you, sorry. Um, and also like, if you're like me and you're really, really tired, you're, <laughs> I could see how you would say, I'm not going to go to a theater and read because I will fall asleep. <laughs> I think the movie does a really good job of keeping your interests. So don't worry. Um, but, um, but yeah, man, it's, it's, it's a really good movie. I do recommend it. If you can't see it in theaters, check it out when it comes out. I'm sure it'll be on streaming somewhere at some point. And, um, and I think you'll enjoy it. it. Like I said, it feels like a movie and, um, and, and I'll say this, like there, there are obviously blockbusters that I've enjoyed, um, recently, uh, guardians three, like there are obviously blockbusters I've enjoyed, but this feels like the most classic example, like classic Hollywood example of a blockbuster. So if you, if you're kind of yearning for the yesteryear kind of blockbuster, this is for you. This is made for you. So uh, so please check it out. I think you'll enjoy it. Um, and I don't know where they go from here. Like this this making as much money, I'm sure they're talking to um, to these people to do more. And, and yeah, I'm sure they will. So if the price is right. So um, yeah, man, uh, Godzilla minus one is definitely worth your time. And I, I would check it out if, if, if you have the opportunity. Godzilla minus two. With the next one. Godzilla minus two. <clears throat> the next one's just Godzilla zero and then Godzilla one and then Godzilla two. Like Coke zero. I, 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 maybe I'm stupid. I don't know why it's called minus one. I, I have no, I, <laughs> I'm not sure. I really don't know. Um, so I may be an idiot and probably everybody listening is like, it's called minus one because, and they're screaming at the, at the screen right now. I, I don't know. I have no idea. But it's fine. Cool. Whatever. Um, I assumed it was called Minus One because maybe it's a prequel. But I don't know. There's no indication of that. So I don't know what this is. But but yeah, man, uh, I enjoyed it. So that uh, next one by Legendary Pictures um, in this MonsterVerse series is mm. actually coming out in March. Good Lord. Okay. Like very soon. <laughs> in a few weeks. Yeah, they're pumping these things out. Yeah, so it's like a lot of Rebecca Hall is back and Bride Tyree Henry is back. Um and we've got Oh, Rebecca same- Hall, that's right. She was in the last one. <laughs> right. <laughs> we got the same director coming back. So this one's called Godzilla X Kong: The New Empire. And they're fighting a bunch of other undiscovered threats hidden in our world, the Titans. I saw in that trailer that Kong has like a giant mechanical arm. Like, does he? 
weapon that he's wearing. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, first of all, some someone somewhere footed the bill for a giant monkey gauntlet which country had to manufacture this much steel correct and and then and then they had to put it on it monkey gauntlet (laughs) how how do you how do you put a a gauntlet on king kong i don't understand like i guess he's a gentle giant but what do you do you just say like hey monkey come here i've got a banana still Here's a giant banana. Just eat this while I put this on your arm. Giant banana. It's like in uh, it's like in the '98 film where they just had those gigantic piles of fish for Godzilla mm-hmm. to eat. They just for Godzilla. Yeah, brought it in with like a dump truck. <laughs> yes. Yep. I thought it was so strategic they, that they released that trailer as soon as Godzilla minus one started making a lot of money. Then WB was like, and we have one too. We have a Godzilla too. And, and I guess there are some people who are legitimate fans for the MonsterVerse, and they're like, "Ooh, this looks cool. Godzilla's pink now." And and ever and everyone else is just like, "Wow, you got a case in point of missing the mark." Yeah, exactly. Yeesh. Can't wait to show you what we got. Japan's over here making cinema and going like, here's a character going through real human things and Godzilla's a menace. And and we're over here going, Godzilla's running with monkey and they're fighting <laughs> what if, things. What if, they're, what if it's a buddy cop film and they're fighting worse <laughs> monsters? Yes. I saw, I saw something. It was like, um, I guess it was a meme or I, I don't know if it's a meme, it, but it, whatever. The point is, it, it was this image and it was like, Here's what we're in for. And it showed evidently there's toys out now for Godzilla X Kong and all of the all the monsters have have like tech on them. And so the question is, like, is this for the toys or in the movie? Are they going to get tech? And so, like, I don't think it's going to stop at the monkey gauntlet. I think we're going to have like full blown Godzilla armor and jetpack and whatever and i'm like Roller do you realize how big this godzilla is yeah <laughs> yes do you realize how big this godzilla is dude it, all even if you said like all we're gonna do is put like one finger armor on godzilla that's a huge piece of metal you've constructed there like this is a huge man uh, a huge lizard man. I, I want Godzilla to do like to come up on like a, a skateboard the size of Texas and then just like kick flip it into like <laughs> this big kick. man made of magma. <laughs> and he just kick flips it yes. and hits him in the face. <laughs> he just melts into a pile of lava. <laughs> and then we fight the, oh, the, no. uh, the cyclone beast or whatever else killed Hercules. I just want Godzilla to have like sunglasses. And he can put them on at some point. <laughs> Giant pair of sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and they'll do the, the CSI thing. The, yeah! Oh, yeah! Yeah! <laughs> and and Don, uh, I yeah. said Donkey Kong. King Kong's like, man, it's cool as shit. I wish I had sunglasses. I just have this stupid glove. This power oh, the glove. stupid they gave gauntlet. Me. Yeah. yeah. Me wants sunglasses now. What if they now? start talking, dude? Like, <laughs> at this point, I wouldn't put anything past Hollywood. Like, it, oh. it, it'll be, it, you know, it'll be Dwayne Johnson and Kevin was, Hart. Like, that's who it'll be. It's WB. It'll be the two of them. Brothers. Oh. It, it, it'll, it'll be Kevin Hart as, as Godzilla. <laughs> that's exactly what it'll be. <laughs> They'll be quite. They'll be like a joke about how Godzilla is so short, and he's like, "I'm really not though. <laughs> yeah. We can't." Yeah, right. Can't say that anymore. <laughs> cast like Austin Butler as King Kong, and, and you'll be like, "Why would you cast him? He doesn't even have a distinctive voice. This is just for the just for the name." I'm thinking like Mel Brooks. Mel Mel Brooks as King Kong. Yeah, just Mel. <laughs> This is King Kong. We're going to cast an actor who is on the edge of death, who absolutely cannot continue to play this character in another 97 year old Dick Van Dyke as King Kong. <laughs> it's, it's if, if Carl Reiner was still alive, it'd be him and Mel yes. Brooks has Godzilla and Kong. Yes. You picture those two in motion capture suits. Like what, what are we doing here? Yes. Is this how we want to go out? Is <laughs> I don't know anybody personally who's like, 
Ooh, Godzilla X Kong. Yeah. After a while, I feel like that kind of stuff, like really, I sound like an old fuck when I say this, but like, I'm pretty sure it just appeals to teenagers. Sure. Who just go to the movies to go. Right. It's a little complex for kids, but, and it's, it's a little too dumb for like serious adults. But if you're like a teenager, you can, you can follow action and understand story enough to where you're like, Okay, I know what's going on. And then when they fight, you you can actually appreciate it. Versus like my son has no idea how much work it takes to render Godzilla. So he has no like frame of reference for like sure. how impressive the CGI is. And when that's like the big selling point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like a 16-year-old can go, oh, shit, dude, that's pretty awesome. You know, that must have been hard. Yeah, and they can talk about it Monday morning at school in homeroom. <laughs> in homeroom. Yeah, they say there's, there's 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 a water cooler factor still for like teens, you know, but for us, sure. it's like, I don't care. Let's I've got so much. It's the homeroom factor. <laughs> the homeroom principle. Yeah, the, ho- the homeroom principle. It, yeah. it was uh, it was uh, pioneered <laughs> by <laughs> J. Robert Homeroom. <laughs> <laughs> this, this movie is just made for homeroom like that. That'll be the new thing. This is just a homeroom movie. <laughs> That's all it is. Because, <laughs> no, because let me tell you this, I'm certainly not going to go see Godzilla X Kong and then go to work the next day and go, hey, guys, we got to talk about Godzilla X Kong. Who else saw this? Who else saw it? Because first of all, I'd be immediately fired, I think. And secondly, um, <laughs> everybody else would be like, what are you talking about? Yeah. What is this? And I'd be like, it's a movie. And they'd be like, I've never heard of this movie in my life. And I'd be like, yeah, that sounds about right. See, what ends up happening for me is like, people will ask me like, hey, have you seen this yet? And I'm like, no, I haven't seen it because for whatever reason. And then like nine months later, not only have I seen that, but I've seen like, I've caught up on a bunch of other things. And then sure. I asked, I asked people like 15 different things and like, I haven't seen any of that. I'm like, oh, well, mm-hmm. yep. Right. You saw the one yep. thing, but I saw like a bunch of things later that you still haven't seen. What have you been up to? Or what, what happens is like somebody tells you, hey, you need to go see this movie. You need to see this new Godzilla movie. And you go, OK, I'll get around to it. And then finally you get around to it and you go back to that person and say, hey, I, I saw the movie. And they go, oh, yeah, cool. And then but they don't remember much about it. Yeah. And then you're like, well, why did you recommend it to me? Yeah. I just want to talk about it that day. And that's it. Either that or you do what I do, which is you see the movie that was recommended to you. You don't like it very much and you purposefully avoid the topic because you don't want to have the conversation where you're like, I didn't like the thing you recommended. Yeah. You have terrible taste. And and now I either have to avoid you or lie to you and say, oh, it was good. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I had a good time watching it. Uh, you know, it was great. And then they'll say, what's your favorite part? And you'll say the part. Uh, where the guy uh, went to the place. There's no cool part. Nobody asked me. I, I very rarely get asked to recommend movies anymore. Really? And I think I've put out this vibe that like, I don't want to be asked. I really don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yep. I think that part of it is like, I've expressly said like, I hate that question because it's like, well, what's your genre? Like, what, what do you like? You know, like I can't yeah, just yeah, recommend yeah. a movie to you, but sometimes people just want to hear yep. like confirmation bias. Like you want me to say, Oh, Oppenheimer was good, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, yeah. But like, I really love Zodiac. So you should watch that yep. too, you know? Right. But right. like, I don't get asked anymore. I, I still get asked. And some of the people that ask me are uh, cinephiles that are like really highbrow with it. And so they'll be like, what have you seen recently? And you're like, oh, John Wick chapter four. And they're like, mm, yeah, well, I saw a film mm. from Thailand that was really good. And I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> cool. It sounds terrible. They proceed to tell me about, you know, whatever dumb movie it was. And, it, you know, it's all shot in one room and it's, you know, really artistic and it's uh, everyone's, you know, really on meth for the entire film it's it's method and cool and it's like okay well that's great method method (laughs) method (laughs) crystal method Uh, (laughs) crystal method acting stanislavski's crystal method jody sweeten's method um 
That was a bad joke. You can cut that one out. Um, <laughs> She's clean. <now. laughs> it's mean. It's mean. I don't even know if she did meth. She did something. Who knows? I Whatever. Think it, I think the it was just is, alcohol. <laughs> no, it was more than alcohol. She was on hard drugs. Right, I don't remember what it was. Let me find out. Let it probably wasn't out. meth. What drugs were Joe D. Sleeton on? Uh, let's see. Personal life. Uh, yeah, she's just going to say none, but she adopts tons of animals from the animal shelter. And she's really kind to strangers. Oh, you're right. She did. Yeah. Over the parts. She did meth? She she did. Alcohol, ecstasy, meth, crack, cocaine. Ooh, she did crack. Crazy. Whoa. Yeah. Jeez, a loop. In one passage of her book, she discusses breaking into tears while addressing a crowd at Wisconsin's Marquette University while coming down from a two-day meth, cocaine, and ecstasy binge. Damn. Holy cow. How is she alive? I, I, that speech would have been crazy. <laughs> Phenomenal. So good. Yeah, it was 45 <laughs> seconds long. <laughs> Must see. <laughs> hey guys, I'm here. And let me tell you about another thing. I'm keeping it uh, in because you were correct. So. Yeah, man. I'm sorry, Jody. It's true. You were. You were addicted <laughs> to meth. I'm sorry. I'm glad. I'm glad you're not anymore. But it, but yes, you were. Okay. And cool. I didn't slander anybody. Yeah. Um, this is true. <laughs> I don't know. They, they they definitely like it's one of two ways. It's either the cinephile who's like whatever I've seen is not highbrow enough or it's the the people who are really like nerdy and they're like, oh, yeah, I love the Marvels. And I'm like, great. Mm-hmm. I'm glad for you. Yeah. And then the other guy's like, if you've seen the Marvels, I'm going to murder you. And I'm like, I'm OK. I'm sorry. Cool. I didn't even do anything wrong. I haven't seen the Marvels. And they're like, if you if you know Kevin Feige's name, I'm going to chop off your finger. That's the antithesis of cinema. And I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. It's none of your business either way. So I didn't do anything. I don't. I didn't. I didn't make the Marvel movies. No comment. I literally had a guy say uh, that that anybody who sees the Marvel movies in theaters he doesn't trust. And I'm like, you don't <laughs> okay. trust a lot of people, friend. I'm like, okay. Cool. All right, bro. <laughs> I have trust issues. Go, I'm so cool. Go go enjoy your screening of Kramer versus Kramer at some weird art house cinema. Have you seen I that? Don't know. That's a good film now. Wait a second now. That's, I actually like Kramer versus I, I, Kramer. I haven't, I haven't seen that movie. I don't know. I have no idea. But <laughs> it's actually pretty good. I, here, I'll, I'll just say breathless. It, it, enjoy, <laughs> enjoy your screening of La Strada. Enjoy your original copy of Tin Toy. <laughs> I've seen eight and a half, 77,000 times. Okay. Good for you. I have, I have a, a tattoo of, of Truffaut on my bicep. Okay. That's cool. Good for you, I guess. I've got, I've got Buster Keaton tattooed on my calf and then the train he's jumping onto on my right calf. So if I put my legs together, he's like jumping on the train. Jumping the train. <laughs> yes. Just in time, too. Uh, for the obstacle. Good Lord. How do you perform that? Is I don't that for know, people man. waiting in line behind you at like an amusement park? Like, oh, cool. <laughs> Mom, look, it's Buster Keaton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every. Every six-year-old loves Buster Keaton. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite Disney Plus show is Buster Keaton and his amazing friends. (laughs) This is just all the silent film stars. (laughs) (sighs) And the the villains are the people trying to make the talkies. <laughs> oh man i'm just trying to imagine the most boring show ever <laughs> i was gonna say there are no villains it's all internal conflict they're the big villain at the end of the show who's like who's like directing and puppeting all the other villains is jody sweden maybe she's the final villain <laughs> But like pre-recovery <laughs> Jody Sweden. Oh Lord. Like, yeah. like 15 year old Jody Sweden. <laughs> yes. All right. Well. <laughs> oh Lord. There we go. <laughs>
There you go. All right. I, well, <laughs> in, in in a review of Oppenheimer, I did not expect Jody Sweeten's name to come up more than one time. I didn't expect. It. <laughs> I'm, I'm expect. I'm expecting her name to come up w- at least once. Like it has to happen once. Sure. But but more than once. Yeah. She's fun. I heard her. I just to, to, to say a positive thing. I heard her on an interview recently. She's really fun. She's she seems cool. I like her. Yeah, I think she stopped by the Pod Meets World podcast, and uh, that was a, it was a great episode. Yeah, so. she did that, and she did. God, who else's podcast did she do? It was like it was like Maya Bialik or something like that. It was like it was something mm. like that. Anyway, I, I'm I'm glad for her. She she's she's recovered, and she had Fuller House, and that's great. Yeah, we covered our ass. Now we have. Yep. Yeah, now, now we, we're back we've to been sweet to sweeten. <laughs> we're back to zero. <laughs> minus one. Minus one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that'll be it. That'll do it then. <laughs> I don't know how we got off on that track, but okay. There are times where I'm like, should I cut this? And I'm like, no. <laughs> I no, won't. No, it's fine. <laughs> Just to spite you, I won't.